Coming up on the bridge. Oh, man. Feels weird to say that. We've got Max Litvin, co-founder of Grammarly, joining the show to talk about his experience finding PM fit and pivoting from plagiarism detection to building Grammarly, the 10th most valuable startup in the U.S., Grammarly's 16-year overnight success story, and just the challenges of building and innovating when your vision is ahead of what is actually technically possible. And then an identity crisis around what you should do when you're evaluating going D2C or building a B2B business, and then how founders should be thinking about both of those and how Max and the team did so successfully across both to grow Grammarly on the consumer side and then eventually expand into B2B. Uh, this, uh, again, awesome episode. Max, a stellar founder, and Grammarly is a machine. Uh, just so excited about their product. I love their product. Uh, and yeah, Max's vision and what they're building. So without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, I'm here in person with Max Litvin, co-founder of Grammarly. Just appreciate you making some time to sit down, talk all things startups. Would love to hear a little bit about your background and also would love to hear about the founding story behind Grammarly. Sure, of course. Thanks for having me, Justin. Uh, happy to talk. And uh, yeah, uh, where do I begin? Uh, how far back do you want to go? Oh, let's go. It's been 15, 16 years, right? Yeah. Like, so let's go. Let's year one, you know? When we thought about founding Grammarly, starting Grammarly, we were still running our previous company, uh, which uh, was a plagiarism detection company. Mm. Many people ask us why people plagiarize because, you know, whenever we go to either university or an organization that license our product to them, they see a lot of just copied content, a lot of plagiarism, way more than they expected. They yeah. thought, oh, maybe it happens once every few years and it happens every day in multiple places. Even in organizations, you know, just uh, like how many blog posts that are published are actually not original and all that. They were asking us, well, why people plagiarize? What do we do about it? Of course, it wasn't our job to answer that question. We were just a technology provider. But because everybody was asking, we started wondering. And the common answer was that it's so difficult to take what's in your head and put it in the writing. It's just, just a daunting task and takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of skill. So we thought, well, we should make it easier. Instead of just policing it with plagiarism detection, Let's just enable it. Let's make it easier to just take what's in your head and put in, in, in communication. And that's where we uh, started thinking about building Grammarly. Initially, the task was uh, impossible. Uh, computers were not there. Algorithms were not there to solve communication in general. So we broke it into like solvable parts. And mechanics of language was the most kind of tackleable one. It follows some patterns and rules that computers are good with. So that's where we started. 
So we build that. We build the most effective spell checker, most effective grammar checker. Then we moved on to clarity, making sure that somebody's un understood, making sure it's not confusing, making sure it's easy to process, doesn't take extra time to kind of internalize, easy to remember. Then we moved on to effectiveness. When you're communicating, when you're saying something, you want something to happen as a result. Yeah. Need somebody absorbing information or causing some action or changing some attitude or something like that. There is a goal always, maybe it's multiple goals. And you can optimize communication towards achieving those goals better. So that, that kind of was our next frontier. And now we expand it with AI, with the help of the generative AI. We expand it to broader support of communication from the ideation all the way to even comprehension. So essentially helping people not just refine whatever they wrote, but start with even ideating, creating an outline, structuring it, doing research all the way to even summarizing whatever they, they're reading. Yeah. I just feel like I've seen that product evolution. I appreciate you taking the time to, to step back in history there. So today, Grammarly is the 10th most valuable U.S. startup. When you think back to the first year of Grammarly, how did you approach securing your first 10 customers or users? And who was sort of your, your ICP in the early days? So um, early on, we were not sure whether we want to go direct to consumer or B2B. So we started doing both and uh, seeing kind of what what worked better. Uh, so we went to a number of uh, trade shows, conferences, and just did sales there. Basically approached people who run companies to sell the product to them. And also we started offering it to individuals uh, through, through web. And we looked at what grows faster and we realized that given where we were at the time, it would be much easier for us to market directly to consumer. So we focused on that for the first few years. From the outset, we kind of knew that Grammarly can create more value in organizations because, well, our most critical communication usually happens at work. You have to communicate with new people at work, with people we don't know well. And also with the understanding of org structure, Grammarly can make better suggestions. Uh, it knows that well, this team is marketing team, this team is sales team, and that helps to understand, well, these people writing content or communicating in a way that's similar, these people are writing content we do in, in a way that's similar, they can exchange best practices and so on. So that allows us to create more value in organizations. So we always knew that B2B has more potential and was the end goal, but initially, uh, going directly to individuals was just much easier, much faster growing pathos. Yeah, that's that's such a good segue into this question. How did you actually thread that needle? Because I know a lot of founders who say it's impossible to serve those two customers, like focusing on consumer and the business. Uh, how did you navigate that so successfully and, and built such a killer business? Like, was it did you know that there was going to eventually be a cutoff point where you're in a transition to grow it? Or was it just like, we just have to grow users and all costs. You just get as many people off this thing as, as possible. It is a harder decision. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's, it was easy or it is genuinely hard for objective reasons. Yeah. Even brand, uh, like consumer brand and B2B brand are different. Yeah. Um, and initially we leaned so far into consumer, we, we wanted to make Grammarly personal and relatable. Yeah. And we went so far that when we started suggesting to our users that, well, if you use Grammarly for work, expense it. 
And they're like, oh, I can expense it. Yeah. Like, I'm not expensing my Instagram account. <laughs> Grammarly is like yeah. Instagram. Yep. And we're like, no, no, no. Grammarly is not like Instagram. Grammarly is more like Slack. Yeah. Like, you can't expense it. Uh, so we actually had to explain to our users that it's okay to, you know, if you use it for work to probably uh, expense the license cost. So that was, that was a transition. Um, but then we kind of uh, updated uh, our messaging to appeal to both uh, audiences, which again is... It's difficult needle to thread, as you say it. It is indeed. We navigated that. We had we had time. We took our time. The company's not not very new. We're 15 years old, so we we had time to figure it out. Yeah, that's a critical piece. It's like everybody thinks this is an overnight success story. It takes time to actually build something on quality, and that cutover and the transition for it is just like yeah. I just admire how you approach that because I feel like it's something that um, yeah. even in the days yeah our our venture struggled with that. And, and one thing that helped us a lot was that we had hundreds to thousands of users in every major company. Yeah. So whenever we approach company, they already have a significant user base of Grammarly inside the company. Yeah. So it's much easier kind of discussion when they see brute boys that people want it, people use it. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, often when companies adopt software, they're like, oh, nobody's going to use it. It's going to be shelfware. Yeah. Well, with Grammarly, it's not the case. We can show them that they're already like significant percentage of their organization using it. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, okay, shifting gears a little bit. Now, I've had the privilege of working with a few folks on the Grammarly team as a member of CultureAmp. Uh, and early uh, early days, I'm working through things on like feedback and bias detection. And AI is obviously, like you mentioned, quarter grammar was offering in strategy, but just keen to hear a little bit more about how you're thinking about expanding the use cases for Grammarly using AI. And then uh, are there any sort of partnerships or collaborations that you can speak about that oh, you're working on? Sure. Current wave of AI innovation allows us to expand the range of communication support. And I, I alluded to it in the beginning, um, to know we are starting earlier in the process, starting from ideation. Uh, so now you can tell Grammarly, oh, I'm, I wanna write a blog post about this topic and it put suggested these are suggest an outline and that so on. So it would just help you go through the um, content creation process rather than just coming at the end and reclining. That's the innovation that happened fairly recently where basically we can support it from the very, very beginning. And in organizational setting, it can also pull in information from corporate knowledge bases, style guides and so on automatically. Yeah. So basically all the knowledge of a company is at your fingertips. Uh, depending on uh, what, which knowledge business company connected, of course. But uh, in ideal scenario, it, it's all available. It's all helping you to create better content faster. I can see some really interesting collaborations for you all too, like thinking about voice service desk, Seismic, or ServiceNow, companies like that where there's just, or even I guess the platforms themselves, right, where there's like a ton of tie-ins, Microsoft Viva, or other, there's just endless places yeah. where I feel like you can exactly. Getting a little vulnerable here, if you're comfortable sharing. Uh, what is one mistake you've made as a first-time founder, and what did you learn from that experience? Ooh. Um, in retrospect, you know, all mistakes seem small and trivial. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it happened, but, you know, we learned from it, we moved on. So, so it's kind of hard to pick all oh, one big one, you know, really. Yeah. 15 years, I... I mean, our thing was only seven, and I feel like I made enough to go, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, they, they just all seem like, oh, yeah, it happened, move on, moving on. So, yeah, so nothing extends out. I think some of the some of the challenges were maybe underestimating 
how important hiring is. Yeah. Just building out the team and building out the team in the right way, in the right sequence. Because when we started out, we were a small team. Uh, we knew each other. Like, like every startup, you know? Yeah. And you kind of get this illusion that it's always going to be like that. Yeah. That you always can, you know, handpick every new hire. You always can talk to every person and so on. But then you get to a certain size where you can't even like interview every person. Yeah. And that's when, you know, the same that A players hire A players, but B players hire C players. Yeah. Uh, that is actually true. And knowing that earlier, I think would have helped uh, with some mistakes, just focusing on building the team the right way and investing more time there. And uh, for me, it's, uh, it's not an area of passion. I'm more passionate about strategy and technology. Yeah. Not as passionate about hiring. So for me, it was a bit of a blind spot. Yeah. 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 It's common, especially for builders and creators. That's hard part of the job. First, I just want to say again, thank you so much for making this time um, and, and sharing your experience with me. Love to just round it out with what's next for Grammarly and then anything else that you wanted to play. So next for Grammarly, first leaning in and expanding on the things that have Generative AI enables us to do. Yeah, so stronger support across the entire communication cycle from ideation all the way to creating and uh, refining and even comprehending content. So that's strength and support there. And then integration of external context. As I said in, in my talk, uh, AI works better the more context it has. Yeah. Basically, it needs to know what's what success looks like in this situation, what are the standards, what are the inputs, and so on. So bringing the context in, again, from company knowledge bases, from best practices, from style guides, from databases, from anything that's relevant for this situation, and being able to uh, better understand what the goal is. How is this message or this piece of content going to be evaluated? What it needs to create or what it needs to make happen. Being able to guess that, not force user to tell it to you uh, and then being able to pull on this necessary information to support user in the best way for example when you're typing something to audience you know well it may be your co-workers they probably don't care about tightness yeah so if we know that we can just not bother you with that we can maybe say oh you just maybe make call to action more prominent so they can get to it faster yeah. and don't don't worry about the rest like just one suggestion instead of 15, yeah. but that one suggestion makes all the difference. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, thinking about like the, the receiver of it and almost like the, the prior interaction that you've had or the communication patterns where you can sort of dial it to make it more personalized for that interaction. That's really, that's really interesting. Very cool. Um, well, again, Max, thank you so much. Uh, this is awesome. And just again, huge fan of the Grammarly product and business and uh, excited to see where you guys take it next. Great. Thank you so much. Justin. Yeah, thank you. All right, that is a wrap. Again, shout out to Max and the entire team at Grammarly. Again, appreciate him coming on the show, talking about early days building Grammarly, and then also just a lot of really great insights on some of the decisions that the team made as they evaluated both going D2C and B2B and sort of the challenges and navigating both of those landscapes. So appreciate him, uh, him coming on the show. This week on the podcast, we've got another incredible founder coming on. Uh, building one of the fastest growing email and productivity tools in the game. You're going to want to tune into that. Again, appreciate y'all tuning in each and every week. Keep hustling. Keep grinding.